It's Monday, October 12th, and you're listening to Zero Politics. Hello, my friends. This is Adam again with Zero Politics. AdamSpeaking.com is the website for my podcasts and my articles and so on. And if you're interested in reading any of those articles, I have, you know, basically it's what I'm talking about here, but broken down in a lot more detail. And uh, usually it's just the number one or two story that I talk about here on the podcast. But I'm kind of actually, it's interesting that I bring that up because now I'm changing the format as of today. So before... And I did have a a show that I didn't release from yesterday or this weekend, and I don't know if I'm going to release it because I decided to change the format. So the format issue kind of um, uh, kind of negates everything I just said. The format is changing. I'm not going to do. I'm not going to talk about as many issues because the podcast goes on for hours. What I'd rather do actually is um, talk about one issue. Um, one important issue and, and the logical fallacies involved and the, the manipulation of the media. So I'll do some media deconstruction and logical fallacies in, in journalism and reporting and so on. Um, one time for each episode, but I may release two or three episodes a day as things happen. So as news, um, comes out, I may, um, because I'm in the mi- in front of the mic a lot because I'm a voice talent, so I'm already um, working in front of the microphone on a regular basis. And so while I'm in front of the mic and I'm looking at the news, as news unfolds, I may have something to say about it. So I'll take a clip or a, or a news article and uh, I'll just unpack that and release that as one episode. So there may be two or three episodes a day, each of them about 10 to 20 minutes in length. So I think that's probably what I'm going to do from now on because what happens, well, I won't get into the details, but I'm not, I'm unhappy with the previous, um, uh, format that I had, which was just to collect a bunch of news and, and talk about it. And the show ends up being two, two hours or more. And the time I spend on it ends up being much more than really, uh, unless I was getting paid for this, which I'm not, um, it wouldn't be worth it. So in the future, Maybe I can change the format up if I'm getting paid, you know, if I'm monetizing the show somehow and it's worth my time to spend a few hours writing articles and then record the show that way. Um, And the articles are really good, by the way. A few articles I have, the articles are really more in-depth than the podcast in some ways. But I think most people like to listen, most people like to watch, and I'm eventually doing uh, YouTube videos from this as well. So... And, and, and doing shorter episodes is actually easier for doing YouTube videos too. So it will make that easier. So I'm changing the format up, but uh, you can still find articles um, here and there for what um, I'm talking about on the show. Today, no article, no new article today related to this next um, uh, uh, news story that I'm, that I'm bringing up. But here's what it is. It's, um, it's the Associated Press has now um, released their new um, updates to their style book, discouraging the use of the word riot and redefining the meaning of the word protest. So let's move on to that. So I just saw in the news that the Associated Press has updated its style book to discourage the use of the word riot and has expanded the definition of the word protest to include violence. This is very interesting because this gets to the heart of how propaganda works. 
one of the most important elements of propaganda, going back to Edward Bernays, is definitions and equivocation. Um, the, the, the changing of the meaning of words or just the importance of the meaning of words and manipulation of definitions or the misuse of words and so on. This all plays into um, elements of propaganda. Now, obviously, I don't have to tell you the import here. By getting rid of the use of the word riot, um, they are going to change the way readers across the United States who are reading news articles think about the various protests that are happening happening around the country. Um, primarily, primarily, really um, exclusively, um, the Black Lives Matter protests, which have turned from protests during the day to violent riots at night. And it should be noted that uh, the violent riots are being carried out mostly by a bunch of white, uh, middle-class, suburb-living uh, anarcho-communists, not by African-Americans living in ghettos and protesting for legitimate reasons. There, there really is a difference between uh, many of these, or these two groups, and other groups as well. But make no mistake, the Antifa rioters are using Black Lives Matter as a cover. And by this time, many Americans know this. Most Americans engaged in politics know this. Now, on the left, they know it, but they don't want to talk about it. On the right, of course, they're talking about it because they want to demonize as much as they can the uh, Antifa protesters. Primarily, some of them also, some people on the right do want to delegitimize BLM in general as well because they kind of disagree philosophically with this idea that black lives matter kind of in opposition to all lives matter. And I think that, uh, I don't think that does well for people on the right to take that approach to BLM. Um, I think what does help is when people on the right are intellectually honest about differentiating between BLM as, a, as an organization and a foundation and so on, and BLM as, a, as an ideology in terms of fighting um, any systemic racism or uh, as, a, as an ideology standing against implicit bias or racial profiling. So I think it's, it's better for people on the right to approach it in that way and to be nuanced. Of course, it's very difficult to be nuanced in... in the modern day political world. And that's what this podcast is all about. This podcast is about remembering the nuance in all of life uh, and especially in politics and remembering that everything is not black and white. Virtually nothing is black and white. I think it is worth mentioning though that uh, there is an attempt to, for people on the right, not that they need any help in doing this, but to demonize Antifa um, by speaking legitimately and honestly about the fact that Antifa is using BLM as a cover. Um, any attempt to demonize BLM in and of itself as an ideology, um, I think, is not only unhelpful, but also just incorrect. But uh, let's get back to the AP style book, changing the use of the word riot, or discouraging the use of the word riot and changing the definition of protest to include violence. Clearly, the purpose for this is to change the American mind. They don't want their readers thinking about BLM or Antifa in terms of riots. 
Uh, they would rather uh, people think of them in terms of protesters. And then you can include the idea of violence within protesting. Now, why would they want to include the idea of violence within protesting? Well, it's to justify some amount of violence. And in particular, I think rioting, violence against property, violence against police, uh, the justification of that sort of violence as a legitimate form of protest is something that's been happening for a while and something that serves to protect um, those people who would use violence as a means of protest, which primarily is anarcho-communists in the U.S. But admittedly, um, some among the BLM movement have utilized those forms of protest as well. Now, early on, there was a lot of anger over George Floyd and a lot of people within the BLM movement, if you even want to call them that, a lot of people protesting, they didn't care about BLM as a movement. They were just protesting police violence against African-Americans and they got violent and they, you know, burned down buildings and so on. But then you had very quickly Antifa come in and take advantage of that and heighten that and, and continue to um, um, carry out violence for now over 130 days. And I remember early on watching videos uh, from black people in their um, communities, very critical of the riots and uh, the looting, the burning down buildings and so on, because it was destroying their communities. And uh, there were some very moving videos uh, about that early on. And um, now I think Antifa has um, changed their changed their methods a little bit, and they are not just uh, kind of randomly attacking businesses and so on, as what did happen early on, which is smart of them to do, because otherwise they just would have turned the African American communities against them entirely. Instead, that they've they've been very focused on government buildings and um, other forms of rioting and looting. Now, we've seen a lot of their riots uh, dissipate, and the reason for that is, is because many of the local state police officers, sheriffs have been deputized by the federal government, which means that any violence against them or their property would result in federal charges which was a very smart move by the federal government to do um, because that really changes the punishments that one will receive. Punishments for violence against federal officers, of course, being much worse than uh, what has happened in the states. A lot of the state and city district attorneys have let the rioters virtually get away with murder um, and uh, get off the hook. Um, oftentimes releasing them, um, some cases without bail, and not even charging um, rioters at all. But that really started to change once a lot of local law enforcement was deputized by the federal government. But let me read this article. The Associated Press style book was amended this week to discourage the use of the word riot to describe violent protests, instead expanding the definition of protest to include violent demonstrations. This is what it says now. It says, Use care in deciding which term best applies. A riot is a wild or violent disturbance of the peace involving a group of people. The term riot suggests uncontrolled chaos and pandemonium, said the AP Stylebook. So if it's controlled 
and I guess non-chaotic violence. So if it's an organized burning down of buildings and organized um, building, uh, I'm sorry, an organized uh, bombing of, uh, of police cars, Molotov cocktails and so on. If it's uh, organized and not too controlled or chaotic, then I guess the word riot wouldn't be uh, called for, which to me seems a little bit ridiculous and honestly intellectually dishonest. Uh, I think this is much more about changing the way that the viewers and readers of the press think. So it's, it's much more about propaganda than it is about being honest about reporting the news. The, uh, the AP Stylebook also says, focusing on rioting and property destruction rather than underlying grievance has been used in the past to stigmatize broad swaths of people protesting against a lynching, police brutality, or for racial injustice. Um, okay, it says racial justice, but I, I, going back to the urban uprising of the 1960s, this is actually a good point, and there's nothing wrong with them making this point, that Focusing on rioting and property destru- destruction um, can be used to stigmatize, right? It can be used as another form of propaganda. What happens is dishonest journalists focus on one thing or the other. So if they're, if they're opposed to the reason for the protest, or perhaps they're just opposed to the protests, they'll have a tendency to, pro- uh, to focus on rioting and property destruction. Okay, and people on the left, in this case today, in terms of BLM, people typically on the left will focus on the underlying grievances and use the word protest and not at all, virtually not admit at all that there's any form of violence or chaotic or um, uncontrolled riots, that there's any bombing of cop cars or police buildings or government buildings and so on. They just kind of ignore that. This is, this is uh, one great example of this, of course, now is the famous meme of the CNN reporter standing in front of uh, burning buildings and saying it's a largely peaceful protest. So this happens without a doubt, and it just depends on which side of the political spectrum you come down on. People on the right are going to focus primarily on the fact that it's rioting, it's property destruction. They're going to focus on the negativity. Very few people are being nuanced and discussing the fact that, okay, what's happening here is that you have peaceful protests that are being hijacked in the evening by Antifa, and that's when you have the rioting and property destruction really start. Now, one could say that the only reason it starts at night is because it's easier to get away with, or one could say that the reason it's happening at night is because that's when Antifa is deciding to do it. Um, I tend to think that it's a mix of the two. I think Antifa is not heavily involved during the day. It's mostly uh, black people with, with BLM protests, um, you know, being having legitimate, safe, peaceful demonstrations. Um, and then uh, Antifa, who are, they're kind of waiting in the shadows, so to speak, and then they come out at night when they know they can get away with uh, more of the wanton destruction and rioting. But you have to point out both, and you have to be honest about both if you want to do any real journalism here. But again, so much of the journalism in the U.S. now is not even journalism. It's just activism and professional news reading. And people aren't being honest about what's going on. They're either failing to discuss the 
the damage and property destruction and murders of now over, I think, 33 people, um, or maybe 35, including the death yesterday by someone on the left killing someone who supposedly was on the right, but I've seen, I mean, clearly the guy wasn't, um, well, this is what I know. The guy who was shot um, has pictures of himself on social media with African-Americans. He's got friends who are black. He doesn't seem like a racist type of person. He certainly doesn't seem like he would be anti-BLM per se. Um, but see, that's the issue. Is you're, you're not racist just because you're anti-BLM. You can be anti-BLM and not be racist. There's a big difference between being racist and saying that you disagree with the BLM movement um, because it's maybe you think um, disingenuous or something like that. See, there, there can be non-racial reasons for being against BLM, including just believing that it's a front now for Antifa. Now, I think that, I mean, as, and I say that being someone who views this, the All Lives Matter movement as kind of petty and its own form of intellectual dishonesty. Um, you've probably seen... Uh, memes where, you know, you see a guy with a broken leg and he's like, oh, I broke my leg. And the other guy comes up and says, yeah, but what about my leg? You know, th that cartoon makes a good point, which is it just seems kind of petty to be talking about all lives matter when the issue at hand, whether you agree with it or not politically, the issue being discussed is the issue of black lives in terms, to, in terms of um, uh, police brutality. Now, you may agree with that or not. You may think that black people are not, um, are not disproportionately brutalized by police. I hate to even use that term because I think it's a loaded term. But disproportionately shot or disproportionately um, physically assaulted by police than white people. You may, you may not believe that. But still, even if you don't believe that, so even if you're against the basic premise of BLM, it doesn't seem to me to be wise or, or uh, thoughtful to attack BLM on the, uh, with the, on the basis that all lives matter. Th this is not a logical argument. It's, it's not the logical argument against BLM. If you're going to make a logical argument against BLM, make it on the basis of the data. So go and do some research and show that African Americans are not dis disproportionately shots or um, victims of violence at the hands of police. So argue against BLM on the merits of the case, not on an illogical argument that all lives matter. Because let's be honest, saying black lives matter and saying or saying all lives matter is just a cliche. It's a politi political cliche. It's, it's almost a meaningless statement because everyone would agree. Of course, black lives matter. Um, almost everyone would agree on that. And everyone would agree on the idea that all lives matter. These are cliches, you know, and oftentimes cliches in and of themselves uh, don't have much meaning. Um, where the meaning comes is what's with the presuppositions about what's behind that cliche, the assumptions about what that cliche stands for and what it means and what it calls for. Um, and uh, that's where the, the debate needs to take place is on the merits of that case. Um, the case for or against what BLM stands for as a cliche. And that's the debate that's really not taking place. All of, all of um, people, people lose the real debate 
because they focus now, now they're focused on the argument over the cliche, the argument over the movement, the arguments over um, whether or not it's uh, valid protests or whether or not it's uh, riots. These arguments have nothing to do with the validity of the case being put forward by proponents of the BLM ideology. And it's, it's sad to me as someone who wants to remain intellectually honest about these things to see that the, the, the argument isn't even being had. The debate over BLM isn't even being had. Now, it was ha- being had for a short period of time, but now it's not. And I don't think that's any one group's fault over against another. Um, I think what happens in situations like this is things escalate, and then next thing you know, the, the foundational issue at hand isn't being discussed anymore, you know? Um, and I think that's what we need to get back to. And we need to figure out how to have a, a national conversation about that. Politicians won't have that conversation, by the way. They don't want to have it. Politics is the worst place to have true debates about these issues. It, it shouldn't be, but it is. It absolutely is. It happens in academia, these debates take place, but in politics, no. Because in politics, they want to use these issues as a political football. They want to use these issues to move their political team forward, which is why they never want true solutions. They almost never want true solutions, politicians. They want solutions that are going to allow them to keep their voter base fired up. And this happens on both sides. Keep that voter base feeling like they need to vote for you or else nothing will get done. And this is one of the biggest problems in politics. And if you notice, when they talk about these issues, they rarely talk about serious intellectual and academic details. They just use cliches. Politicians use ridiculous cliches and repeat them ad nauseum and uh, say that, you know, uh, we need to do something to fix A and B. We need to, uh, we have a plan to help take care of this issue. Uh, But rarely do they ever uh, talk about whether or not that issue, what's at the heart of that issue, and what is the answer to questions related to that issue at, at its foundation. And with regard to BLM, what's at the heart of the issue is, is there systemic racism with regard to the notion that African Americans are disproportionately uh, victims of unnecessary police brutality in one form or another. Is that happening? And there are sub-questions within that. We could talk about shootings. We could talk about lethal use of force. We can talk about um, implicit bias. And we can talk about racial profiling as kind of sub-questions within that general larger question. But this is a debate. That question isn't happening. And uh, for a lot of people on the people on the left, obviously, they look at the um, Washington Post data that came out months ago, and they just kind of accept some of the um, arguments or or the way the data was presented by the Washington Post, which I feel was purposefully somewhat misleading, to be honest. Um, and uh, then people on the right generally just to kind of ignore that, or they have their own arguments and. It's all very simplistic and it's all settled in their minds. And then they go on to talk about the things that are much more juicy to talk about, which is whether or not there's riots versus whether or not it's um, protest, who shot who today, you know, uh, who's burning down what. And uh, that, that is, you get a lot more clicks 
a lot more um a lot more viewers and readers and so on. The conversations around that are a lot more enticing. And for me, that's all dangerous. Uh, for me, it's like we need to talk about the stuff that's a lot more boring. Like what does the data actually show about? And, and people need to be honest. And that's the most difficult part is people need to be honest about what the data shows. And I have a lot of opinions on that myself, but this show isn't about my opinions. It's about really calling out the hypocrisy and the logical fallacies in the reasoning. And here, the biggest logical fallacy is this idea of changing definitions. Okay, so it's equivocation. It's being vague about definitions on purpose. This is a logical fallacy, the, the fallacy of equivocation. This is related to that, what they're doing here, in order to basically um, implement propaganda and manipulation of their readership. That's what this is all about changing definitions, being vague about definitions um, in order to um, manipulate their readership. And that's what's happening. And this happens to you all the time as a viewer of the media. And so you need to be constantly asking yourself, thinking more critically, how are they using their words and why? And what does that mean? How, how do I redefine what I'm reading? How can I um, contextualize what I'm reading with that in mind? That the definitions of the words in these articles and in these um, news programs that I'm watching may be purposefully misleading. And, and, and they are, oftentimes. The, um, not only the words they choose to use, but the way they define those words is so vital in terms of understanding and deconstructing the news media to make sure you're not being lied to, deceived, and manipulated. And let me tell you, most Americans are. <sighs> All right. I've got one little tidbit extra for you guys. I know I said I was going to do one issue per show, one news story per show, but I ran across something and it'll just take me a minute to cover. And I mentioned this earlier, this idea of manipulation, news media manipulation. And this is a perfect example of how that's done. He said he was retested for COVID-19, but claimed he did not know the results. Uh, I have been Okay. Retested. Did you notice that? He said claimed. This news media reporter, I don't know who it is, PBS NewsHour, not sure who the reporter is. He said that Trump claimed, he used the word claimed. Now, why would he use that word when just a moment later he uses a different word when he talks about Biden? Listen to this. He announced he will travel to Florida on Monday for a campaign rally. On his way to a campaign event in Pennsylvania late this afternoon, Vice President Biden said he tested negative for the coronavirus. So notice he said that Biden said that he tested negative, whereas Trump claimed that he tested negative, or I'm sorry, claimed he didn't know the results of the test yet. Now you'll notice this, just pay attention. When you use the word claim, it implies that it's unverified. You've made a claim, but the claim is unverified. The implication is it's a possibility, you know, that you're lying. When you say that someone said something, it doesn't give the same implication of it being unverified or of the possibility of it being untrue or of the person lying. So with regard to Trump, PBS says Trump claimed he didn't know the results of the test. But with regard to Biden, he says Biden said he got a negative test. So in both cases, really technically, it's unverified. Both are just claims. But notice the way different media, depending on whether or not they lean left or right, will use different terminology to refer to different politicians who they may be opposed to or in favor of. Just keep a watch out for that. You might not think this is, you might at first think, 
I'm over-exaggerating. But if you pay attention, you'll notice this happens constantly. And these are little subtle words that the news media uses that have implications, that imply things, because they really do have a desire to manipulate uh, the way their viewers think. All right, that's all for today. Thank you so much. I doubt I'll be releasing another episode, although it's possible that something else might pop up on your podcast player. And by the way, the podcast is all over now at this point. It's almost everywhere. I don't think it's in iTunes yet, but uh, it's definitely in Spotify and in most of the other Overcast and other podcast players, which leads me to believe it's probably in iTunes. If not, I need to check, but uh, you can you can find it anywhere. And just go to the website, adamspeaking.com. And you can find the RSS feed if you want to manually subscribe in whatever podcast uh, player you use. All right, everyone take care. Have a great, amazing day. And uh, find something beautiful today to focus on instead of all the negativity of politics. Okay, please, please. All right, peace.